Welcome to Greenwood on Deck with your host, Clay Sprouse. We are meeting our talented residents who are shaping the social and cultural landscape of Greenwood, South Carolina. Greenwood on Deck is a production of CES and presented by Anchor. Welcome back into another episode of Greenwood on Deck, where we are meeting our cultural and social leaders in Greenwood. And this is an interesting interview today because you are the first person I've ever interviewed that I have never met prior to this interview. So we are talking to Heather Simmons-Jones, CEO of the Greenwood Partnership Alliance. And I am so excited to get to finally meet you and talk to you today. Well, great. Thank you for allowing me to be one of your guests. Absolutely. And I am going to start a little bit on your background. Sure. So I dug in a little bit of research. Okay. So I found out you're from a small town called Estill. Is it Estill? How do you pronounce it? You said it correctly. Estill, Estill, South Carolina Carolina, in Hampton County in the Low Country. That's right. A little population of 2,000. Small, Must be be something like 96 maybe. It is, and in fact, my parents live 15 miles outside of Estill, okay. um, which means that we're 15 miles from the nearest stoplight. Oh, well, there you go. Well, so it is, um, I read that it's about a 50-mile trip to Savannah, 40 miles to Charleston, something along those lines. Oh, no, lines. it's like 90-something to Charleston. Oh, 90-something yeah, to yeah, Charleston. Yeah, yeah, okay. but, but about an hour to Savannah and an hour to Augusta. Okay. They're right on the Savannah River. So did how long did you live there, or was that just... That was home and... Yeah, my, so I was born in Tampa. My parents moved to South Carolina when I was two. Um, most of my life I lived in either Allendale or Hampton Counties because um, my parents have a hunting facility and it's kind of out there in no man's land right. between those two counties. So most of my life I grew up right there. So where did you go to high school? Patrick Henry Academy in Estill. It's a schizo school. Okay, it's, okay. Yeah. excellent. Yeah. Okay, so I think that... Let's start with your education first. You're, you have an extensive educational background. Uh, bachelor's degree at Clemson. Yep. What is your bachelor's degree in? English. English. And Spanish. And Spanish. So you are a fluent Spanish well, speaker? At one or time. <laughs> not so much anymore. Yeah, when I go back, it's funny because certain countries that I go to, I pick it right up. Right. Um, but like in Castilian areas like... Barcelona, it's difficult. I mean, you know, because they speak such a different dialect that it's it's hard. My wife is a fluent Spanish speaker. She's a teacher, a Spanish teacher at Emerald High School. Oh, awesome! And so, and she tells me the same thing. She says going into somewhere like Mexico is completely different than going to somewhere like Spain. Yeah, that it's it's just a completely the dialect is different. It's a little bit harder to pick up on. So, when you went to Clemson, what year did you graduate? Ninety-seven undergrad. Ninety-seven. Okay. Um, when you graduated from Clemson, what was your intentions with that bachelor's degree? Did you have any dreams or goals at that time? Well, um, when I entered Clemson, I thought that I would go into international law. That was kind of my thought process. Um, and 
I interned my senior year at Disney and realized that I just really liked to work. And I didn't know that I really had the stomach for more school at that time. So I just decided to um, forego going on at that moment into another degree and went right into work. I had a job before I graduated, and that's what I did. So, In what capacity were you an intern at Disney? Um, so they have a program called the College Program, and they go into universities and colleges and recruit students to come for either a semester or a summer and um, and work. And so I went and worked at Disney for, I think it ended up being like, it was a summer and like a semester, so like nine months. So you had to rent an apartment in now, Orlando? or Well, they actually have a place called um, Vista Way, and it's on property. Really? And their international student program and their college domestic program all live on property together. And so I was in a, um, like an apartment, if you will, with uh two Puerto Rican girls and a girl from Ball State. Oh, okay. Yeah. You eventually returned to Clemson, if I'm correct, to receive your master's degree. 2012, I was living in Columbia. Okay. Had just started my consulting firm, was president of the South Carolina Economic Developers Association and decided that wasn't enough with being a mom and a wife, so I went to get my graduate degree. I because mom and wife, you know, that that's not a hard job at all, no, right? No. Exactly. <laughs> um, I see. I saw some other things. I'm assuming maybe they were some certifications or some. Right. I saw University of Oklahoma. I saw Georgia yep. Tech. Yep. Those were just different types of certification, yes. professional certifications. Yeah, so in our world, um, it's kind of the expectation that you will go through the Economic Development Institute, which is South Carolina is one of the only states that has programmatic um, offerings for professional development. So we have the Institute and then we have the Advanced Symposium, which makes South Carolina the only state that certifies its economic developers. Um, And so then the next thing you're kind of expected to do is called the Basic um, Institute and that, or Basic Class, and I did that at Georgia Tech. It's a week long, eight hours a day, intensive study. and then after that, you go through the University of Oklahoma and get what's called the um, CECD, Certified Economic Developer Status, and um, you take classes for three years for that. Did you actually ever have to go out to Norman? or? Well, so they used to make you. Right. Oh, that's, that's the only place they had classes. But by the time that I got done, they were offering them an ND and Phoenix and other places, so I never actually had to go to Norman. Oklahoma's an interesting area, but I actually, I had to work out there back in 2004, and I really loved it. So I think that's a great segue into what brought you to Greenwood. So I um, was living in Columbia, had my consulting firm, and had been doing some um, odds and ends kinds of projects here um, with Mark Warner, and actually had hired a couple of the um, employees because my consulting firm did two things primarily, did economic development consulting and um, placement in HR services. And so I had placed Catalina and I think, I'm trying to think, seems like I could place someone else, but maybe not. And so I had a relationship, knew the organization well. Um, and when Mark determined that he was gonna leave and go to Davis and Floyd, They were looking for someone who could come in interimly, just kind of keep the wheels moving on the bus, and then also 
find Mark's replacement. Sure. So um, they hired me as an interim, and I actually came in initially doing like, I don't know, 10 or 20 hours a week. I still had clients all over the state. And then um, Dan Martins was chair at the time. He came back and asked if I could give more time to the organization. And um, the long and the short of it is after what I thought was only going to be like a three-month assignment turned into six months, turned into longer. And um, they asked if I would be interested in foregoing the search and being a candidate. And so that's how I got here. So what drew you to Greenwood? Because obviously it sounds like to me that you had a flourishing consultation business in in Columbia. I did. Uh, Probably you were settled there for a little while. Uh, I've been there, I guess, three, three or four years. So something had to draw you here to say, maybe this is where I'm supposed to be. Right. Well, yes, I think it's twofold. One is, you know, it's a fit for your professional life. The other is, is it a fit for your personal life? Right. And so, you know, I had, gosh, 11 um, communities and companies that I was working with. I was on the road all the time. Um, it was very difficult to scale because everyone wanted me to do the work. Um, my company at the time was actually doing HR for a company in Greenwood. And I just, I was passing myself in the road from Bluffton to Greenwood to McCormick, you know, all over. And so I physically, when the opportunity um, was presented, I physically just thought to myself, wow, it would be really nice to focus all my energy for a while on one community and give one community again all of my time and talents. And so um, that part was good because it allowed me to have more time with my family. Right. It allowed me to be off the road and be home and be more present and in the moment with my then seven-year-old. Um, professionally, I saw Greenwood as a nice mix of the experience that I'd had personally and professionally. So, you know, grew up in a small town, um, but have lived in Tampa, Orlando, Savannah, Columbia, Greenville, you know, larger places. Right. And I just felt like Greenwood um, was a good moderate place for that. So I wouldn't feel like I didn't have amenities and that I was constantly having to go somewhere to a larger city. But at the same time, it would be a great place to raise a child. I think there's a dynamic, though, that that brings up an interesting question. So how was your family uh, how did your family buy into that decision-making process? Were they <clears throat> were they familiar with Greenwood? Were they okay with hey th- we're on board we're moving to Greenwood? Did it take some coercion or it? Um, I think at first it might have been a little bit of a shock that I was going to close the company and you know we were going to move and whatnot. Um, we had been here several times out on the lake with some friends, and so it wasn't like it was an unknown um, area. But certainly, um, you know, it, it, it was a conversation, and um, obviously we know how the conversation turned out. I, <laughs> I, think, it turned out, I think it turned out well, and considering um, some personal things that have gone on in our family over the last year, I think 
we are in the right place at the right time. Well, that's that's really what you're looking for in life yeah. is for sometimes you want things to fall into place yeah. and when you know it, you know it, when you know it's right. So give us a little bit of history of the Greenwood Partnership Alliance, if you can. Sure. What What is the, I've read some things online and we're going to touch on those in just a little bit, but what's the main purpose behind the Greenwood Partnership and, and a little bit of the history of it? Sure. So um, super excited. This is our 20th year. Okay. Um, it's a public-private, and we are going to be celebrating that in October. Uh, the partnership is, as I've been told, the oldest public-private economic development corporation in South Carolina, and additionally is um, one of the oldest in the Southeast. A um, couple of different studies have been done on our organization as a best practice, so that's kind of neat. Um we are 109 members strong, investors strong. Um, of those, six are public and the rest are private. Wow. Um, we have roughly year over year somewhere between 900 to a million dollars worth of investment into the organization. So um, Greenwood County is obviously our largest funder. We have um, Metro, CPW, the city, Lander, Piedmont Tech. Those are kind of the usual suspects as it relates to the public side. Right. And then the private side is um, the private side is everything from a Charleston-based engineering company to a law firm in Columbia to an accounting office here. I mean, it's anyone that thinks that they could benefit from either a referral or networking with the industries that are coming to Greenwood. So day to day, what we do is, I say it's pretty easy, but it's not always so easy to explain. <laughs> um, you know, we're trying to, to expand the existing industries. We're trying to recruit new industries. Right. We are now working on workforce development initiatives, such as the Greenwood Promise and the Greenwood Edge. Right. Um, and we kind of then get caught into a lot of different other things that would impact our ability to be successful in those first three areas. So sometimes it's housing. Sometimes it's, um, you know, conversations on crime. You know, whatever it might be, if it impacts the overall success of um, our economic development program, we probably have a voice or a place at the table. Right. Um, so, you know, those are kind of the, the big things. Um, in order to be successful, I kind of say we have to focus on two things, people and product. So, you got to have the people to put to work. Right. If you don't, why would anyone want to come here? And they need to be skilled and it needs to be a match. Um, but secondly, if you don't have the product, it's like going to the grocery store and going shopping. If you go into the grocery store once and they don't have bread on the shelves and you're going for bread... You might go a second time and just say, oh, it was a hurricane last week. You know, that's why they didn't have bread. I'll go back and give them another shot. If you go a second time and they don't have bread on the shelf, you know, you're like, why would I go back a third time? Not coming back. So I kind of just remind people that we have to have the bread on the shelves. We we have to have that product that people are looking for. And there has to be consistency to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, And so, you know, we always are joking in here that our success has actually created biggest problem and that is we really don't have any great building product left 
um, you know, in the five years uh, that I've been here, we've you know had a billion three in investment, and we've had tons of announcements. And this team just kind of is looking at each other, going, "Okay, but this can't go on forever if we don't get more product on the shelves." I think I'm going to touch on that in just a moment. I did want to hit on your board of directors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took a look at the list of board of directors, and we're talking major power hitters in Greenwood. Uh, when you look up and down the line, uh, people from city government, mm-hmm. uh, county government, mm-hmm. of course, big hitters in the in the local business. What are you looking for in the board of directors? Well, so um, I think that's a great question because what some people don't understand is that our board is not like an appointed board. Mm-hmm. It is a pay-to-play board. So everyone that's in our board division Understood. has invested a minimum of $20,000 a year. So it's not per se that we're looking for, I mean, obviously we are looking for people to contribute to the conversation. Sure. You know, we want to have the county there, obviously. I mean, they're, they're controlling the incentives. They are our primary customer, if you will, in air quotes. Um, but it's also important to have the, the banks and the service providers and the industries so that we're not talking in a vacuum. So that when we go to talk about a project in executive session, there's a voice there that says, but have you thought about this? Or they are trying to hire X and I can't find X. So, you know, you're going to have to get creative. Or, um, you know, uh, we're a Japanese company too, and we know what Tajian's going to be going through because we went through that. Let us help you. And so it's nice to have like a cross section of voices right. to contribute to the overall program conversation. Yeah, because if any of you out there that are listening goes and takes a look at the Greenwood Partnership Alliance's website, which is very well laid out, by the way, I enjoyed I enjoyed looking through it. Uh, it's very well done. Uh, you'll if you look at the board of directors. They're coming from all angles, and and it is important when you're trying to recruit businesses to the area that you have everyone at the table who can give you those different perspectives. So it's not necessarily from a competition standpoint. It's from a collaboration standpoint. It is, and that's hard for some people to understand because they'll say, well, you know, why would an industry want to pay money to sit at the table for you to bring competition to the community that would, you know, be um, potentially fighting for jobs with them. But we've created this spirit of collaboration, and I think people really see the the proverbial rising tide and understand that, you know, the the better opportunities that are here for Greenwood, everyone's going to benefit from it. You know, a strengthened workforce, a strengthened wage um it trickles down the you know the realtors are benefiting from it the hospitals are benefiting from it the chick-fil-a is benefiting you know everyone's benefiting when there are more um people living working and spending in greenwood county right you mentioned tasian Mm -hmm. that was the big announcement from last year the 600 million dollar investment what is a t- what are they doing? Let's let's establish that first. They're in carbon fiber. Am I they correct? are. They're in carbon fiber, okay. primarily automotive, but also have um, 
some interests in aerospace, pressure vessels, and other other things. What is a? Can you give us like a a rudimentary timeline on what they're going through? What is their process? Um, I cannot give you okay. a very detailed timeline. <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah, um, for you know a couple of different reasons. One, I have not gotten the most up to date one. Um, we are probably, I think when we were at the groundbreaking, it might have been like two and a half years or something like that. And the groundbreaking was in? Um, it was not that long ago, just like... It was in 2018. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah it was just like two or three months ago. Um, but, you know, if you ride by the site, and I live, I have to pass it to get anywhere. Um, they are, they've been moving, uh, clearing a road to move a power line. Um, they are clearing, grubbing, grading the site. Um, Which takes a lot of work. Yeah, and you know, that's a huge site. Right. And it's, it's massive. And it is going to have a huge amount of site work on it. Right. So, I mean, daily I go by and I'm just kind of like, oh my gosh, it's what different. It's different from yesterday. Right. They're, they're literally... RVs on site, people living out there, working like almost around the clock. Which again, it it's a trickle down effect. The businesses uh, will benefit from those folks out there working. And well, and you know that's something I think sometimes people um, kind of overlook, and that is, yes, they're hiring two hundred full time employees. However, um, they've you know kind of said to me and talking to the um, EPC firm and the contractors and all, they're probably going to be like 700 employees out there, minimum, building that facility every right. day for years. Years. Yeah. So huge, huge get for Greenwood. Yeah. You mentioned earlier in the interview, since 2013, over $1 billion in investments mm -hmm. in Greenwood. Can you pinpoint one thing that you guys sell to these folks to say this is why Greenwood is the best choice? Well, I mean, we, you know, we obviously want to talk about our, our assets. I mean, the lake is a huge asset. Love that lake. Love that lake. Um, water quality. We are abundantly blessed by great infrastructure here. The, just the foresight to, to put the water and the sewer and the gas to have amazing electric load here. All those sorts of things, you know, is, is kind of what gets us to the conversation. Then we have to get creative. Right. You know, I mean, now all things being equal, how do we set ourselves apart? Right. And I think that really kind of goes to the community, to the leadership, to our team. And that, you know, my approach is, unless it's immoral or unethical, <clears throat> try not to say no. Sure. I mean, find a solution. And so some of those big wins have really required us to think in a different way, um, listen a lot to what the companies are saying they need. Not every company needs a 20-year a incentive. Some need upfront incentives, you know. Not everyone um, is hiring so many folks that a job credit is gonna be as beneficial. They may not have corporate income tax Liability, so this may not be beneficial. So you're just listening to people and trying to be consultative and giving them um, what they need, 
And I think that's really a way that we stand out. We also have such a great strength in our existing industries here. Sure. So when companies come, they want to do peer interviews. They want to go sit down with the companies that are here and ask them, have you been successful for 50 years, Capsigel? How have you been successful for 25 plus years, Fuji? You know, what's the secret sauce? And there's nothing that the Greenwood Partnership Alliance can say to overcome something negative that one of those companies would say. So having them as the advocate for us with um, companies as they're coming, with um, their peers when they're at conferences and stuff like that, it's huge, huge selling. On the back end of the interview, uh, I wanted to jump into the partnership's mission statement. Um, I said when I started this podcast that I would not utilize this as a platform for my political gains. <laughs> uh, as most of my listeners are know, I'm running for school board. The first thing in the mission statement says, great schools. We want great schools. Mm-hmm. So is there an operating opinion of... Or, or how do you convey to these incoming businesses uh, where we are in the education, public education offerings in Greenwood? Well, it's, you know, it's, um, and, and I certainly don't want to get myself in a, in a jam by answering this incorrectly as an organization. So okay. I will tell you Heather's opinion okay. is that it's very difficult for for us sometimes to relay what the offerings are because most people are not used to having three districts in a small community like this. And so if they go online and you know type in looking for educational offerings, they may get one of the three districts right. and then not understand that their facility is over here in this district or that the home they're looking at is in this district. And so we struggle to have kind of consistent documentation as to what's offered and how you deliver that to an end user. So we've been trying to work with um, the schools to get points of pride. We've been trying to, you know, put it in a usable document so it's a singular offering to someone that says, here's what Where Shoals does well. Here's what 96 does well. Here's what Greenwood does well. You know, here's the magnet programs. Here's the AP offerings. Here's this because otherwise folks are just getting lost. Right. Um, and the way of kind of demonstrating, I mean, we do push the magnets a lot. I mean, and talk really about the STEM program and acts and those sorts of things. Um, you know, we brag on school size, uh, excuse me, class size, like in Ware Shoals in 96, because, you know, you've got a great student to teacher ratio there. Sure. You're really getting that personal attention. Um, all of our schools have areas in which they excel. And so we just try to really talk about those accelerated points. Um, you know, the Greenwood Promise is hopefully going to prove what we believe in that when that student in kindergarten knows there's an opportunity to go on and they have that hope that they will stay in school so our dropout rates will decrease right. um, the educational attainment levels will go up 
And so that, you know, we'll see that trajectory of education as a whole, not just K through 12, but as a whole really peak. And ultimately from our mission statement, we really would like Greenwood to be known as a community that cares about education. Right. Oh, really? Um, I, I hope that, <clears throat> I hope, excuse me, I hope that didn't come across as a loaded question. That, well, was, well, that was not my intent. I, 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 I just, I, I think that you, you answered it very well that, because you're looking at it from a countywide perspective. Right, right. So having those three different school districts in the area is, it, it is, it's, it's not just about District 50. Right. So, uh, I think that the Greenwood promise is an excellent start. I, I absolutely am a huge believer in the Greenwood promise and, and what it brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me wrap up the interview for you. Okay. Uh, I ask everyone these next two questions. The first question is, what does Greenwood do best? I think Greenwood works well together. It, um, it rallies, you know, when we've got to bring the next Tajian to town, you know, and show them around. Um, uptown shows well. Um, it's pretty, it's it clean, does. it's vibrant, it surprises people. So I love that. You know, the lake shows well. Um, the leadership, you know, comes out, they show up, they're educated about why they're there, they know what they're talking about. So I think we, we, we sell Greenwood cohesively and do a great job. And speaking of how beautiful Uptown is, for those of you that don't know, Heather's office is looking out towards the end on the square. You're in the Greenwood build, old Greenwood building. You're looking out towards the end on the square, and you see a beautiful view. This may be the best view in Greenwood. <laughs> Fantastic I office. I think so. <laughs> what is our biggest challenge as far as Greenwood is concerned? Um, Right now, my answer would be crime, just because it's so um, top of mind with everything that's been going on. I think long term, um, once we we get that figured out, and bless everyone who's working on it, because I know it's not an easy topic. But for us, it's really going to be this whole product component, or it's really the people and the product, again, you know. getting the right people to get in the right jobs but um how do we how do we get more product out there how do we get our spec building how do we you know have bread on the shelves and um that's that's gonna be a tough one for us i hope that this advanced center for manufacturing at piedmont tech Mm -hmm. is going to really make a big contribution to that goal uh, get these folks in, get them trained mm-hmm. to give these companies that workforce that they need. Right. All right. So the last question is always a fun question. Okay. So uh, through my research, I, I can tell you're and looking around your office, you're a big Clemson Tiger. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could go to one away game and follow Clemson to watch them play football somewhere, do you have maybe a particular stadium or a particular location in mind? Where would you like to see the Tigers play? Well, I've, again, been blessed to follow them a lot of places. Right. Um, and I was sad this year because I was hoping our Board of Visitors travel game would be A&M. Um, it's not. It's Georgia Tech, which I've been to many times. <laughs> um, my, one of my favorite games to go to, so it's not a I'd like to. It's just right. the one I do like to go to is Boston College. Um, you know, Boston's a super cool place. Beautiful. The 
um, the environment is not antagonistic. It's very like congenial. They love us. We love them. Um, you know, they're having lobster rolls and steamers and stuff at their tailgate, which is super fun. And it's just like a big, awesome family reunion. Right. Um, and then when they come to Clemson, they actually say, we hate when we play here. We want to always, you know, play in Clemson because it's so fun. And we're like, no, no, we like coming here too. <laughs> so um, that's always a fun game. Uh, three or four years ago when I went, the university actually rented out Fenway. And we had our alumni event at Fenway. Wow. And so the, the um, coup de gras is if you can get baseball and football on the same weekend that is the that's the power because Fenway Park's beautiful it's amazing beautiful place yep. well how can people reach you um gosh I'm um, as you can see I have three devices <laughs> <laughs> on, on my desk so I'm very um I'm very reachable um certainly you can go to our website uh, partnershipalliance.com and our contact info is on there they can call us at the office at 388-1250. You can email me at hjones at partnershipalliance.com, or you can call my cell at 992-1512. Great. Well, Heather, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, it was I really super appreciate fun. it. I hope it was. Yeah. Hope I didn't ask too many tough questions. No. But uh, I believe I believe in Greenwood. This is why I'm doing this podcast. I believe in this town. I love it. And I, I'm, I want to meet more folks like you who are on the front lines doing great things every day. And uh, I look forward to talking to you more in the future. That sounds great. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening to Greenwood on Deck. Please make sure to check out our Facebook page, Greenwood on Deck Podcast. And we look forward to talking to you soon again, Greenwood.